This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for, well, we'll see how long this goes. I don't know that this is going to go a full hour. Uh, I have a few things to say this week, but um, as always, you can find this uh, podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever good podcasts are sold, as well as with video here on YouTube. Hey, everybody. So this is just me this week. And um, I have a few things to say about some recent revelations and ideas and, and sort of maunderings and things that I've been sort of having. I really don't know what word is best to use for my thought process anymore because it goes all over the place. But um, as I have been doing over the years, I guess it's been something like eight years now that this channel has existed. I'm seeing Facebook notify me that it was seven years ago around now that I first arrived in Denver, and I started this whole thing about a year before that. And as I want to do, I got to give you guys updates on things and, and ideas that I have and, and progress that I think that I have made in terms of cult recovery. And I know um, uh, as I go through this one this week, I know there are people out there who will disagree with me on all kinds of things about this. Um, but I'm really trying to do this from a non-divisive, uh, non-harsh uh, or antagonistic sort of, of, of mode. Um, uh, you know, the, the, a, lot, a lot of water's got under the bridge over the last eight years. A lot of things have happened uh, to me and around me. And I have um, created a platform where I'm able to uh, contact a lot of people at once through this YouTube channel. And of course, I'm always harping on the fact that it's not big enough, I'm not strong enough, it's not good enough, and I'm always worried about that. But that worry and anxiety has been lessening over time as I've been gaining more perspective, more experience, more communication with uh, you know people in the, the big wide world. And I am now so, so out of Scientology and so no longer a cult member that it's it also it's starting to feel a little strange to compare them as though I am still um, thinking with or looking at the world through the cult lens. It's 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 pretty it's pretty gone at this point in so many ways. But still, but still, I find myself constantly second guessing or having little 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 things pop up, little little periscopes or something pop up from my my former cult personality that 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 come up sometimes and and say, hey, you know, or whatever you want to call it, former cult personality. I, I don't really think of it that way. I think of it more as cult thinking or old habits or old action patterns, you know, old old ways that we, you know, adopt to act or think. You know, you have muscle memory, and I don't know that that only applies to your uh, the, the muscles that move your skeleton around. I, I, I think that applies to your uh, brain as well. I think it's a kind of mental muscle that we have all kinds of muscle memory, you know, habits and things that we get into that we don't examine or think about because we just accept that that's the way the world is. And we think that our view of things is the accurate view of things because it's the one we've always had and we've never really had or the ability even had the ability to look at the world through somebody else's eyes. So, uh, so we tend to, you know, fall back on well, how we look at things and how we do things is, of course, the right 
way to do things or or think about things. And when you get, um, I, I've been thinking about um, the subject of community and grouping and, and 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 support, mutual support and understanding and friendships and relationships. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we did a critical conversation show about cult relationships and friendships and and how coming out of a cult, you you know, you have to uh, kind of tone down a little bit, or at least I did. And and I'll talk about myself here uh, rather than try to project my issues out to everybody else. But I do believe that what I have to say here this week is is something that I think a lot of us have in common or have experienced somehow. And uh, that has to do with um, with community. So for those of you who didn't see my show from the Critical Conversation show where we talked about that stuff, um, it, it's, it's become... Um, it became clear to me recently that um, that when I got when I left Scientology, I left a community and a, a culture, and I I uh, was well aware of the fact that I was doing that, of course, but I wasn't necessarily aware of all the levels or all the consequences or or ramifications of that. Um, you know, you, you you I was so concentrated on. The cult beliefs, L. Ron Hubbard, the lies, the abuses, the physical abuse. It, clearly, that is what I've been talking about for a very long time. And the 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 sort of culture of uh, of the the the, uh, the confession culture, the the um, the sort of tattle culture, the the, the way everybody is, you know, always trying to get everybody else in trouble. I mean, that's there, but it, but oddly. You know that whole that whole thing about telling on other people and and uh, you know kind of comes, believe it or not, from this sort of place of trying to do good, trying to trying to be the trying to be a friend, trying to be somebody. You know, when you're telling on somebody else in Scientology, when you're reporting on them, um, there is this kind of idea that you're doing them a favor, that you're helping them, that by reporting on them to ethics, by turning them in. You are, um, you know, for these offenses that are really kind of ridiculous, which is really the problem. Um, but the attitude is that you are helping and that you were part of a community and that, that you want them to do well and they want you to do well. And, and in a cult and other groups, too, not just cults, but, but certainly in cults, which is what I can speak of. Um, the, there's a tight knit aspect to this community that is that is really worth talking about for a second. It's it's tight. I mean, really tight. Where when I was a Scientologist, if I met somebody new who was a Scientologist, I automatically trusted that person. Um, felt that I was on, on common ground with that person on very important issues, very important topics. Uh, like spirituality, eternity, uh, what we should be doing, how the planet should be handled, how we should be handling the planet as Scientologists. And we would talk that way as though we really had the power to handle the planet. <laughs> you know, a little bit of delusion there, but, but that's a collective delusion. It's all of us together thinking that way as Scientologists. And that has power. That collective agreement, whatever it might focus on or center around, is really, really powerful. In fact, I would go even so far as to say that that kind of agreement 
is the basis for almost all the kind of power that we see generated by groups, whether it's a business or a club or a sports activity or a political group. It's that agreement. It's everybody on the same page. And I was raised in Scientology. I didn't ever know anything else but Scientology for so many years. I mean, you have a public school education experience. I had that. But otherwise, you know, life in the big wide world for me it, as a Scientologist was not some not something I really ever truly experienced. I mean, you know, I, I guess it a, a, a bit as a staff member in Santa Barbara because I was working at other jobs too. So to that degree, I was interacting with what we called the wogs, you know, the, the non-scientologists. But I always filtered all of that. And I always had this idea because I was a cult member in Scientology, that those jobs, those people, that whole life was um, was not was not worth anything. That, that that people in the big wide world were living lives of des of quiet desperation and uh, craziness and insanity, and they were basically all walking around in a hypnotic daze. And this is how I would think about everybody who wasn't a Scientologist. So I mean, talk about us versus them, right? Talk about othering people. I mean, that was that was felt mentally. I was doing that all the time. And in doing that, I didn't have to pay a lot of attention to what those people were doing or thinking about, and I didn't have to give them any importance or, or um, uh, you know, grant them any sort of, um, well, in Scientology, we called it granting them beingness. In other words, letting them be who they are. You know, you're you, I'll do you, I'll do me, you do you, and that's going to be, and, and really, I'm okay with that. I wasn't really okay with that. Because I was a Scientologist, and, and, and so I was constantly thinking that I had to change everybody around me, that I had to do something overt and, 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 and uh, causative, purposeful, in order to change the way people were, because they weren't good enough. They weren't strong enough. They weren't aware enough. They were, you know, uh, hypnotized, etc., uh, all the things L. Ron Hubbard told me to believe about people, I, I believed it, especially when my parents backed it up, other authority figures I had in my life backed it up. So, um, so you know, again, I'm kind of describing the whole us versus them viewpoint that I was in as a cult member. So is it any real surprise that after coming out of Scientology, I would maintain that same attitude about other people? Um, about, um, and the attitude that if you're with me, then we're on the same page, we share the same values, and therefore we can all be all in together. And this sort of totalist or kind of extreme degree of being involved or believing in a thing or fighting for a cause or pushing an ideology this was the habit that I had through my whole life. So I expected that when I would get out into the non-Scientology world, I would run into people doing the same things I was doing, having the same extreme totalist kind of attitude about things, about ideas that I had. And I didn't get that people aren't like that. And I didn't get that that's not 
really even how people should be or that that people interact that way. It's, uh, you know, when, when people are forceful, demanding, uh, arrogant, conceited, you know, opinionated, these are all synonyms for what I'm talking about here, which is what I was. As a former Scientologist, that was just the habit. That was just how I thought I should be. And I was so used to it that it didn't, I never even thought to second guess this. And of course, I start running into trouble with people almost immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the problem? You know, and it took years, took a really long time to, 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 to uh, bumping into people, arguing, fighting, you know, all this stuff in order to sort of get my head out of that arrogant headspace and realize that just because I have an opinion or an idea about something isn't special, isn't anything uh, unusual, and nobody else has any obligation whatsoever to agree with me or even listen to what I have to say. And it's really only through kind of happenstance and luck and the fact that I was talking about something that a lot of people wanted to hear about that I was able to build a platform on YouTube and make a carve a living out of doing this. And um, and as I've been going, of course, I've you know I've, I've gone much beyond talking about just Scientology and and just about even cults in that regard. But but that tends to be the focus of my attention, and that makes sense because I'm still. I, I'm fascinated by this stuff, so I'm, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying here that I'm going to stop talking about this, but the way I've been talking about it and the way that I have evolved or progressed over this time has been kind of interesting uh, in retrospect. I wasn't trying to piss other people off. I wasn't trying to be arrogant. I just thought that's the way, I mean, that's just how I was. Um, and, you know, you have a number of run-ins with people. And it's interesting how you, we crave community. We really do. We, we, I mean, really, we just have to have it. Uh, no man is an island and no woman is an island, all that sort of thing. It's true. And, uh, and we need other people. We need mutual support, understanding, that kind of thing. So, of course, I was finding that in the ex-Scientology world, in, the, in that community of people, um, Dived right in, started talking, you know, of course, as a new person, when I first got out, everybody was really super excited to hear from me and, oh, wow, and what's all the news and da-da-da and, and all that. And, of course, I was talking a mile a minute because that's what I do. And I had a lot to say and I was downloading very quickly and producing a lot of videos and throwing them out there and people were kind of excited about it. Over time, um, that excitement, you know, <laughs> sort of faded and, uh, which is completely, you know, normal. Um, and I, um, started adjusting to life in, you know, the non-Scientology world, but I was constantly having these run-ins with people and I couldn't really understand why. And I thought, well, I guess they're just, it's, it's them, it's them, it's them. And then I thought, no, it's me, it's me, it's me. <laughs> and, then, and then, well, it's all them. Well, it's all me. Well, maybe it's both. Well, I don't know. And I just could not, could not figure my way around that. It was very confusing. It was very difficult. And I wish somebody had given me some advice or somehow communicated to me um, something that I uh, needed to know. And, and nobody ever did. And so, of course, you know, you have to figure it out for yourself, and eventually you do. But I'm a slow learner. <laughs> I am. I, I actually am. It takes me a while. I have to get hit over the head three or four times before it really starts getting clear to me that I am doing something wrong. 
and I've done plenty of things wrong in my life. So, um, so, you know, but it, but I, I, it sometimes takes me a little while to get there. Um, I wrote this post and I posted it on Twitter and then on uh, Facebook on my page there. And I'm going to read it to you guys because I want to sort of, um, I think it encapsulates a lot of what I'm, uh, where I'm going with this, and what I'm trying to, what, I, what I'm trying to build up to or what I'm trying to say. I said, uh, here's the post I wrote. I said, this is important to me and has been brewing for a while as something that needs to be said. I realize after writing this that I'm a slow learner and this is stuff most people already get. I just didn't see it myself and have been struggling for years to fit in to places I simply don't belong through no real fault of my own or anyone else. The longer you're an X, quote unquote, of something, the less you have in common with other X's. Without that common ground, differences become wider over time. To me, this explains most, if not all, the issues in the atheist as well as the X cult worlds. Every X community is tumultuous this way. And I've noticed this with Mormons, with the XJWs, with the X Scientologists. I've been in social media groups and pages of all of these groups and have talked at length with former members of all of these groups. And all of them have commented on the fact that this phenomena occurs of the of factioning and tumultuous communities and stuff like this. Uh, to continue with my post, I, I wrote, the problem, of course, is that initially we look to our fellow exes for support, help, etc. At first, it's easy to give it as you have that common history. But after a while, that fades. And if you don't have something else to bond over, it can get awkward and even weird. It's not a bad thing that after coming out of the cult, you become a different person. You should. It's just the expectation of continuing community with former members becomes a lot harder as those differences become more obvious and loud and often old cult habits come out. Insults can start flying because exes form different ideas of what is the quote-unquote right way to recover, to think about the cult, to associate, or even who to associate with. It's not a new cult. It's just shadows of the old ones still casting influence over current ideas and actions. There's probably barrels of research that could, could be done about this. As someone living it, I want to say there is no right way to be or think or act after a cult, especially for a second generation members who have no earlier life experiences to fall back on. We're all winging it. I've been obnoxious, arrogant, conceited, insulting, and mean to other exes, and they've been that way to me. I've regretted almost every instance of losing my temper, but sometimes I was justified and sometimes not. It's the way things, it's the way of things that we will mess up and try to do better tomorrow. 
Now, here's where I'm coming from, is I'm not going to live in a state of constant second-guessing myself or my words or deeds. I have done and will continue to do my best. That won't ever be enough for some, and it will work for others. In the end, that's all I can do. No one thing prompted this thread. It's been eight years in the making, and I just needed to say it. Us exes aren't all going to get along, and that's too bad, but it is what it is. I can't keep feeling guilty or insufficient because I can't make everyone happy with what I say and do. And of course, the reverse is true, too. I don't want anyone changing or losing sleep because they aren't living up to my expectations or standards either. My way isn't anything great or special, and it doesn't fit for everyone. No worries if you don't like it or want it. You do you. And that's basically the end of my TED Talk. So that was my post. And um, that came from, of course, um, a, a series of things that have been happening over the years. And an interesting thing that happened a couple weeks ago when I tried to kind of reintroduce myself to a group that I had gotten away from of second-gen Scientologists and I thought, well, I've had some therapy, I've had some work, I've done some things, maybe I can interact with these people better and not be the, the old person I was and maybe I can do better at this. And uh, that didn't work out. And that's fine. I take responsibility for that myself as well. It's not just uh, other people don't like me and so I, you know, it's not that. It's, it's that just because somebody is an ex-member of the same group I'm an ex-member of, I felt obligated to try to get along with them. I felt like it was a lacking on my part. I felt I was the one who was in the wrong 100% of the time if I couldn't get along with everybody else. That's, that, that's what, what, I, what I'm kind of leading to here is that that was what I was thinking and I would guilt myself and I would make myself feel very, very bad if I had an altercation or an argument or a disagreement even with other former members. And I would really tear myself up about this because um, I'm somebody who cares very much about what other people think. And um, less so now <laughs> than I used to, thank God. But, um, but that was a problem. That was a problem for me. It was my problem. Uh, it's not other people's problems. It's mine. And, um, and this would lead to some bad, you know, and this would lead to some bad interactions because part of my attitude was, well, we need to get along. We should be friends. We should be on the same page. And I was always looking for common cause or common agreement or things we could bond on. But there were some things that were simply deal breakers. There are people who have ideas and attitudes that I just can, simply cannot get on board with. And um, there are other people who want to uh, continue talking about Scientology or dealing with Scientology in particular ways that I don't think are healthy. And they are certainly not healthy for me. Maybe they're great for those people, but they're not great for me. And so I just don't get along and, and it's okay. And I, and I think what I'm trying to do is share this with other people who might be feeling the same way I am. 
you know, is that the, that the, the, the happy ending doesn't have to be all of us standing together in a group with our arms around each other, you know, in a big kumbaya. It does, that doesn't have to be the only happy ending possible for former members of cults. Uh, or former members of anything, for that matter, uh, it, it's not required that everybody be friends. <laughs> we don't have to be enemies either. And I think that's what I'm kind of trying to put down as well, is that just because I'm not your friend doesn't mean I'm your enemy. And that kind of thinking, that extreme totalist us versus them thinking was something I would run on other people and other people would run on me, especially in the ex-Scientology world. And, um, and for, a, for a long time, for years and years, uh, this, has, this was a very, very big problem for me. I uh, consumed a lot of my thinking, a lot of my worry, and a lot of my action because when other people were fighting, other exes, friends of mine, you know, it really sucks when you have two friends who don't really necessarily agree or get along and then they're fighting and you're like in the middle, ooh, that's awful, right? I hate that. Um, but it's really bad when everybody's ramped up to 11 all the time uh, because they think my way or the highway, right? I, I am not alone in that. I have observed that uh, definitely in other people and, um, and I'm not even being critical, I'm just stating a fact. So, uh, so this is a factor that we have to deal with. And I just didn't really appreciate the power and strength of those former habits that we had of that whole us versus them, my way or the highway kind of thinking. Um, anyway, so, so that's kind of a thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's an interesting thing also that fits into this problem, um, which is education. You know, I have stressed from the, from the very beginning of my channel that getting educated about what cults are, what psychology is, how the psychological mechanisms of coercive control work is a, is a net positive for anybody who's leaving a destructive cult or, or high, high control totalist group. You want to know what the hell happened to you and you want to know why. However, this is an area where I have definitely learned that a little bit of knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Because if you start half teaching somebody about stress and trauma and coercive control and narcissism and you start throwing these labels around, people can misuse them very quickly. And when they start misusing them, they start insulting people with them. They start judging other people using these terms. And it can get pretty ugly pretty fast. And this goes on in these X communities more so than I think it does in other places because of the psychological factors involved. I mean, we, we come out of these cults, we go, what the hell just happened? We start reading, oh my God, you know, information control, emotional control, wow, gaslighting me, oh my God, trauma bonding, wow, of course that's what was going on. But then we start looking at other people and we don't have all the information about them or the situations they're involved in. But we make snap judgments and we decide they're a narcissist. They're, a, they're an enabler. They're an abuser. They are a this. They are a that. Well, we're really only speaking. I mean, if I'm really, really going to be bluntly honest, we're really only all talking out of our own trauma 
when we start throwing those things around and it can get pretty ugly when it gets to friends doing this to one another or faux friends as the case may be because sometimes when we're only bonding on these matters of having been you know members of a of a cult and we don't really have anything else in common then it's a bit of a forced relationship and that's not good either you know so it's so it can be really really tricky to navigate this and um and that's that's been my struggle and the struggle of i think everybody who's been uh who's been going through this stuff so um so so trauma the the fact of trauma the 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 very existence of it is an additional point of of difficulty cuz they don't understand their own trauma which is why it's still traumatizing i don't understand my own trauma which is why i still acting goofy and we sit there and end up having fights where it's trauma meets trauma <laughs> right we're not even there <laughs> it's just our trauma fighting <laughs> that happens you know and in the heat of the moment especially you know you get you get all riled up and you're all full of yourself and you're all sure you're right and then you end up saying and doing stupid stuff and uh and i you know guilty as charged so um and and i mean it when i say there is not any one thing that is prompting me to do this podcast this isn't this, this whole podcast isn't some special message to any one person or something it's is this is a broad thing this has been going on for years you know and um and it's something i just wanted to kind of kind of throw out there and make public um and in, and on that note it's uh, something else that i want to comment on about this is that in these communities like any group of people i think that that are forming around a a a, a topic of public interest you have spokespeople, you have celebrities, you have people who step up and start forming YouTube channels or getting on media uh, and major media, news, et cetera, writing books, you know, going into the newspapers and, and um, stepping up and making themselves known by name to the world at large, like I have done, Mike Rinder, uh, Aaron Smith-Levin, I mean, you know, Tori, I mean, so many people, Karen, um, you know, even people I haven't gotten along with, Steve Mango. I mean, you know, he's out there loud and proud doing his anti-Scientology thing. And in terms of that, you know, more power to him. But he and I don't see eye to eye on pretty much anything other than the fact that Scientology is probably bad. You know, And that's, you know, I, I don't know that that's not how it should be. But my point is that there are certain people who step up and put themselves out there in a very big way. Um, and we end up getting um, targeted way more often than um, just your average normal group member or person who's part of these communities who isn't doing that. And it's interesting to watch the criticism fly around in the, in the, the private Facebook groups or on Twitter or social media uh, from armchair quarterbacks and armchair critics who have never stepped up, never stepped out, never spoken a word outside of social media about Scientology and, and decide that they're the ones who understand and know how this should be done, who should be doing it, what they should be saying. And of course, they're the, you know, they're the experts on this. There is no shortage of such people. I'm not talking about one or two people. There's tons of them. 
and uh, and we get to hear about them and hear from them. Uh, over the years, I've heard from plenty of these people. And of course, sometimes you don't hear from them too, though. You only hear about them in a roundabout fashion because they're over in some private Facebook group you've never been part of. <laughs> Letting everybody know what a horrible job you're doing, even though they're not stepping up and doing any kind of job of any kind. I find that you know, a little uh, objectionable, but understandable, again, for all the same reasons I've already been talking about. But there is this interesting phenomenon in these groups of it, not just me, I mean, other people, too, who step up and try to do more and try to take the the fight to Scientology or try to expose the abuses and 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 do more than just tell their story, but try to help other people tell their stories, too. Try to educate more broadly. Try to expose all the abuses. This is hard work. It is trying work. It is emotionally draining work. It is the kind of work that is uh, that feels very thankless sometimes and um, and very difficult, you know. Um, so getting criticism from former members is particularly biting because of all the things I've been talking about. Right. Uh, you know, until until I come to realize that. You know, we're not all going to be kumbaya and we're not all going to be on the same page. And and in fact, that's an impossible standard to expect or try to even create. You know, that was the thing I couldn't accept for so long was that this is an impossible standard, that, that it's somehow um, a little bit of a fairy tale that we're all going to get along. But th the truth is, it is a bit of a fairy tale. And 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 so I fall back on what I've always fallen back on, which I think is a thread of uh, of of some kind of truth and and common sense that runs through my entire channel, and that has been compassion, understanding, tolerance. These are the things that we need. Agreement, not necessarily part of that picture. Friendship, not necessarily part of that picture. But mutual respect of, of the fact that each other exists, that we're going to not see eye to eye, and that's going to just have to be okay, and we don't have to hate each other because of that, that's a good place to get to. That's a real place we can get to. Um, all of us on the same page, all of us in agreement, all of us getting together every year and having a big party and all that, not so much, right? It's just not. It's just not how the world actually is. It's a reflection. It's a shadow of what life is like in a cult. And, and if anything could get across the artificiality of that group kumbaya that cults have, it's this very struggle of trying to recreate it outside of the cult that shows how artificial, how unreal it actually is. And that's a really important point to realize, I think, for former cult members is that 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 not all of the kumbaya and we're all on the same page and team and esprit de corps and all of that. And aren't we all one big happy great team that we all were in this sort of fervor in as a cult member? That wasn't really very real. <laughs> And um, and that's interesting. 
That's very interesting. It's not to say that all the relationships were fake. I don't, don't, don't put words in my mouth here. I'm just saying that that sort of spirit of, ah, you know, that again, with the dial up to 11, <coughs> excuse me, that's not good. Um, it's, it's a, um, yeah, it just sets you up for failure in a number of ways. And it's another way that the leadership is basically screwing with you, you know, screwing with everybody all at once is taking away the individual differences, taking away the individuality of people. That's really a kind of crime against them because it keeps every individual in the group from really being who they are. And that's, I can't think of, a, of, a, of too many crimes that are, that are more, that have longer term negative consequences for everyone involved than to steal people's identities from them and implant false ones on top and then insist that's who they really are. You see what I mean? And that kind of, you know, getting over that is 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 uh, another way of describing what I've been doing here. So I want to say that I think there is a great deal of of um, of agreement and cohesion and and uh, and kumbaya, I suppose you could say, that we can generate outside of a cult. We can all get on the same page over certain things for certain periods of time. But to expect that this is going to be some permanent thing and that we're all going to be united and, and eventually everybody will be on board with us and the whole world will be united, this, the, you know, this, is, just, this is just nonsense. And, uh, and I think it needs to be called out as such. So I wanted to take some time here today to, to talk about this. I, um, I, I'm not regretful or rueful about this. I, I just wanted to sort of say it like it is. And I hope that in doing so, this message might help other people who maybe are not as far out or as long out of their groups or relationships or situations as I am, where maybe this might be helpful advice or can help, you know, in the adjustment process and the recovery process. Um, you know, it's, it's not like uh, you can't make friends and it's not like they're, you know, that all the groups that form or factions that form in these things are not real or they're all just a bunch of fakers or something. I, I hope I'm not coming across that way. What I'm, what I'm just trying to say is that the more individual you become, the more yourself you become after leaving the group, the less same, same you're going to be with everybody else who used to be in that group. And you might find that that creates some friction. And I just don't be surprised by it. And don't necessarily jump to the conclusion that that means that the person you disagree with is suddenly a narcissist or an enabler, an abuser, a victimizer, is somebody who's targeting you just because they don't agree with you about something. I mean, we really got to pull back the, the, you know, on the extreme of, of that. It's, you know, the ex-cult world is a tumultuous place. It's tumultuous because of trauma. It's tumultuous because of the recovery. And we don't have to make it worse for each other by targeting each other over things that really aren't true. I think that's important. And I think that's, that's if, if there was, um, if somebody could have told me all of this the first year I was out, 
I would it would have saved me an incredible number of years of struggling and fumbling around and pissing people off and disappointing people and all the other crap that goes on. Um, you know, uh, me to others, others to me, others to others, you know, so, uh, so that's sort of my, um, my, my, my message, my, my, my thing this week. Um, and I would absolutely love to hear what you guys have to say about this, because I am positive that this applies to way more situations than just ex-cult members. It's just, that's the lens I'm looking at this through right now. I'm on one of the people who responded to me on social media made a comment about how all the things I had written were very applicable to her situation as being the parent of a disabled child, how she had been in a group of, of other parents who had disabled kids, and you could bond on and get along or talk about that and get along great, but there was almost nothing else all those parents had in common, <laughs> and why would they? They come from different ideologies, different religions, different education levels, different backgrounds, even different geographies. So to expect everybody to just get together and, and be on the same page on everything just because they all share some problem or some common belief is just a little silly. And I guess maybe in a way a little culty. And maybe we need to, um, to kind of re-examine that whole concept so that we're not running around uh, yelling and screaming and, and, and making fools out of ourselves um, in the ex-cult world. Uh, I think it would be really helpful for everybody involved if, if, if this information were more broadly known. So there you go. There you are. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for inviting me into your home for this. And uh, I'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.